The reading this morning is from Romans 8, 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Reading God's Word. And, um, either this week or on Saturday morning uh, from about seven to noon or so, the session will be meeting. And we're going to be doing a lot of um, sort of visioning, praying together, planning on really big issues of our church, not only like building our building, but also just looking at sort of larger issues. And we really would love to be covered in prayer. Um, so for those of us who are meeting, if you think about it, I would really entreat you to pray for us. This morning's scripture, um, and what we're going to talk about in here, is is going to be uh, difficult for me. Um, I could pick out individual scriptures and go on a long time about them, but I'm going to try to fly over a little bit higher and give you, as I was, I read the scripture a lot this week, and I'm going to try to give you, I think, more of a sense of um, the the this groaning this is we're going to have the picture of three groans two this week and one next thank you two this week and one next um in my house one of the sounds that's really taken off in the last few years or it's really an interaction my wife and I have on too regular a basis which is she'll be in one room and I'll be in another and she'll say are you okay i'm like yeah why and she say i i just heard you make a noise and I realized I just stepped down, stooped down to pick up my shoes or my socks, and I'd gone, ugh. And she's, you know, she's wondering what's happening. It, I'm not even, it's an unconscious groan because I'm that age and whatever. Uh, th- that, that's one of the groans, the groans of pain. There's also uh, a groan that, uh, we don't really usually use the word groan, but, uh, the the joy of anticipation, if there may be Christmas when you're really young and you just can't stand it anymore. You know, if you have little kids, at least one of them usually is going, ah, ah, they just can't wait any longer. It's the groan of anticipation. Maybe with a squeal, I don't know. But it so the groan of, of suffering or pain, the groan of anticipation, we're gonna look at that this morning, but since it's been a while since we've been in the book of Romans, it's been about five weeks since we did that, let me just give us a two-minute running start. Paul's writing to a group of Christians here in the capital of, of uh, the empire, the Roman Empire, 
and he's speaking about what's changed his life and that the power of God, the risen Christ, he has met the risen Jesus and that that's changed his life. And it's set the course of this Pharisee's the rest of his life to try to share this life-changing message. And so he speaks to them and says, it's the power of God to change everything, salvation. And then he, he says, the whole world has been infected by sin. It's way worse than we think it is. It's infected Jews and Gentiles, the moral people, It's infected them because they think they can be righteous through the law and morality. For those who don't have the law, it's infected them because they just give themselves to every sort of physical pleasure. Why not? And he says both people are being sent and ruined because it's not drawing them to God. And then he says that it's only one antidote, and it's that resurrection power of Christ to be found by faith alone. So that's what's going to change things, not by works, not by anything else, but by faith. And that this faith is going to begin to transform you, he says, into a whole new way of living, not by the flesh, not by trying, but by the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of brings us up in two minutes to where we are. He said that you've, you've got salvation comes in, in kind of three parts. And it comes like this. You're, you're instantly changed in your relationship to God the moment you surrender to this gospel, to Jesus Christ. We call it justification. Your legal status is changed. Your relational status is changed. Immediately, you are adopted as sons. That's where we were the last time we were in Romans back at the uh, beginning of December. You're, you're immediately adopted, thinking about Project Belong and all that, the moment the papers are signed and the judge says that child is yours, the status is changed. And Paul says it's even better than you think because not only are you adopted child, but you have full rights. Full, you, you, You're a full heir, just as if you were a natural child. Jesus, the only natural child of God, gets everything from the Father, and he says, and I'm giving it all to you. I'm passing it all along. So that's the justification part, the change. But we know if we adopted a child, you can well imagine that child immediately doesn't look, doesn't know the rules of your family, doesn't share the characteristics that you all have. And so then we're in a process called sanctification. The second part of salvation is changing to become part of the family. Yes, you have full legal status, but that doesn't change the way you behave and what you think and your worldview, your outlook. That's a lifelong process. We're Those of us who are believers in Christ are in that process. And it's a herky-jerky process, as any of us know, that are going through sanctification. It's not smooth. And so that's the second part, and he's going to deal more with that and talk about that. But there's a third part to the process of becoming his child. The, the, the theological word is glorification. It's the final. It's when it happens. When you, you're, you look like the father and the mother. You, you're part of the family completely and everything is done. And that glorification, I think one of the weaknesses that I have, have had as a Christian is that this idea of glorification, yes, it has to do with heaven, but it's even more than that, is not appealing enough i mean in a very for many many years yeah i mean i'd rather go to heaven than the alternative 
but it's not it wasn't compelling i i rather would have stayed on earth earth a lot more compelling i wanted to get married and have children and have a career and have lots of money and do all kinds of fun you know western things and I, that was compelling and heaven was yeah good but i'll deal with heaven later and paul says look if you don't understand what's coming and the goodness of what's coming and after time i did sort of convince myself by really meditating on that scripture from Corinthians where it says, I think it's Corinthians, no no eye has seen, yeah, First Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, the mind of, of man has never conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And I meditated on that and I was like, okay, so it's a good thing. Heaven's going to be good. It's, it's, got, it's got something to look forward to. But still, it was so unknown and so Paul says, look, you've got to believe that this glorification, this future calling is so good, it's going to be a motivator and a driver for you. So that's a little bit of where we're going. Why is it important that it's good? Well, remember this Roman church that he's talking to. This is in late 50s, early 60s AD that he's writing. This guy named Nero, that's the, the emperor. Nero was beginning his process of going crazy and of beginning to make life. Christians would eventually become the scapegoat for things that were going wrong in the empire. And under Nero, they, they're going to begin to suffer tremendous persecution. I don't know exactly where they were in the process when Paul writes this, but it, it, it was not a favorable thing to be a Christian. <clears throat> and... There was the normal course of human events. Paul, we know, was went through tremendous difficulties physically with, you know, both in, he says, shipwrecks and getting beaten and hated by Jews and by the Romans. And, you know, Paul was going through just difficulty. And then there's just the difficulty of life, just the pain of being cold. And for Paul, time in prison uh, for his faith and just life can be hard. And so Paul is taking a moment here to talk about the groanings that are coming and how a really good understanding and belief that what's coming is good. And it's not this idea of being, oh, I just think about heaven and I don't do anything on earth. No, it makes our time on earth. It makes this breath. Our time here is a breath. It makes it just something that will help us to live it to the full. I know that seems counterintuitive because people think, well, you just got to live the here and now and, you know, we'll just let the future care for itself. Paul says, no, as Christians, you can know what the future is and it can drive your today. Look with me, if you will, Romans 8, verse 18 they talked about, we've come out of this idea that because we're heirs of Christ, adopted children, full heirs of all the good that comes with that. And he says, we're going to inherit that. And then at the end of verse 17, he says, but provided we suffer with him, because there's no way to get what God wants you to have except through the cross of Christ. You say, well, didn't Jesus take the cross for me? He certainly did. And he invites you to join him there. 
I've been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Jesus took the awful parts of the cross for you, but it doesn't mean we avoid the cross. We share in the cross. You're going to share. If you want to be a Christian and you don't want to, to, to put yourself away and, and say no to your own flesh and your wants, then you're not living the life Paul calls us to live. So he says, <clears throat> verse 18, he says, you know, you're, well, 17, he says, we're provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. That glorified is that glorification, that idea that everything's going to be made right. And then he says in verse 18, For I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings aren't worthy to be compared with that glory that is to be revealed in us. There it is again, the finish of our salvation, that glory. So the comparison is the sufferings of now and what's to come. The groaning is real. But he says it's going to be forgotten in the moment. Later, he's, we're going to see, he's going to use the analogy of childbirth. I'm told, I don't have any firsthand experience with it. I've watched, been close. But you know, in the moment, a certain woman told me that it's really painful. And, you know, I've heard people say, like, I'm not doing that again. But what Nancy would tell me is, I'll paraphrase a little bit, tell me there's a baby coming. Tell me there's a baby in there. Because if there's not, this isn't worth it. And that's the gospel. This life is full of pain and suffering. If there's not a baby in there, it's not worth it. The baby is the new life, right? It's life in Jesus Christ. And as your body is suffering, and I mean physically, but also just the body of, of earth, the body of life, all the bad we see around us. He says, there's a baby there. There's something else. What is it? See, the story in the Ark of the Bible is this. We began in Eden. We began with everything being right. Sin has ruined everything. It's marred everything. We end in Eden. Read Revelation 21 and 22. We, we, we end in a garden where everything is right. Better than right because now there's not even the light of the sun as there was in Eden. The Lamb is the light. We're so in the presence of God that it's all been made right. The life has come. So that the groaning of childbirth is nothing compared with the groaning of anticipation. And when we saw our baby, we were willing to go through it. Well, we. We were willing to go through it two more, two more times. It's not that she forgot. People say, I forgot about it. You didn't forget. It's just that by comparison, the joy of our firstborn, who's playing the piano today, led to the joy of the secondborn. And our youngest would tell you even more joy in the third. <laughs> All right. So by comparison, not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to come. And then he says, look, we are as 
believers in Christ, those of us who believe, are, are pictures and are part of a bigger story. It's not just about you. He says, look, I'm going to tell you that all creation, verse 19, all creation, everything that's created, waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, just remember, this isn't a masculine gender thing. This is that the son got all the inheritance. We all want to be sons of God when it comes to the way, when it was written now with what was received. That women, men, we all get to be full heirs. And so they're waiting. The creation waits with eager longing. That, that word in Greek is with craned neck. Literally, crane neck. Like, you know how it is when you're looking to see. They're waiting to be, when that time comes, when we actually become we who are just created things and I'm falling apart. I'm groaning as I pick up my socks. And it be, we become, we're going to become these incredible, complete likeness of God beings. And this isn't a fairy tale. And I, I hesitate, you know, in some ways in sharing this because I think, well, where's the felt need here? You know, how am I teaching you to live your Monday morning with, you know, I want to teach you to live as Christians in a falling apart world with hope. I think that's going to be far more important than teaching you time management skills or in, in helping you. I mean, I do, we do want to speak on the practicalities of loving our families. I'm not dismissing that. But guys, we're in a dark, dark world. And we want to live with the hope of the light, the hope of what's coming. I'm going to continue on. Verse 20, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. What's that referring to? We have to go all the way back to Genesis 3.17. What was the result of sin in our world? Thorns and thistles, it says. Sin came in and all of a sudden mankind had to till. Uh, the people had to till rather than the earth working as it should. It was broken. Creation is broken. You know, the question we have, why do, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes and just weather and, you know, everything that's wrong with that, it's broken. This is not the way, the way creation works now is not the way it was intended to work. Some of it's self-inflicted. If you pour pesticides all over everything, we're going to ruin it. But some of it is just broken because the world is broken. And we see it manifested in everything. Us and all the created being. It says it was subjected to futility. But Adam was given the ability not to be, uh, to, to take a hoe and to work it and to begin to be part of God's redemption of that. You know, part of what Nancy and I wanted to do, moving, we just moved, many of you know, onto a piece of property. And part of our goal was to just in a very small, almost metaphorical way, take our little piece of ground back and try to bring a little bit of Eden, just a little piece of Eden back. And I know that's not the full story of what God's doing, but you can do it in your heart. We take it where the, the, God wants to walk in the garden with you. 
He wants to walk there now with you. He wants to walk where you're in relationship with Him. That's why Jesus came to begin to restore Eden in us. And it's going to come for the whole earth. And anyone who is in Jesus can participate and can experience it. It's open to all who come to Him. And those who want to be their own God and not walk with the real God, they will do it, but not in the new heaven and new earth. That's why I say this is a, we're flying way high, right, o- over the, the picture here. But in the, the creation itself was subjected to futility. God subjected it, but in hope of something new. What is that? That the creation itself will be set free, verse 21, from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory. There's that word again. When we're finally who we should be. The glory of the children of God. Now listen to this, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together. Sometimes I feel like I hear creation groaning. It's been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, second groaners, we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit put inside of us a promise of what's going to come, promise of it being completed, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. Now we've already been adopted by justification, we remember that, We've already got the status, but it's not all that it will be. Believe me, if you saw my life, you live with me 24-7, my wife knows I'm not the adopted son I will be, thankfully. I'm a work in progress, as I assume are you. Trust in God, it's coming. We wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Your body will one day molecularly change. Those who have been dead, those whose bodies have decayed, those who've been disfigured and maimed, those who've been torn apart by cancer or by whatever, the God of the universe who created everything out of nothing, who created a human out of a lump of clay, will recreate, the the Bible says, your human bodies, read, Romans 15, read 1 Corinthians 14, 15, 16. Let's see that God is going to recreate us into what He always intended us to be. And we will be wonders to behold. For it is in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. But who hopes for what he sees? For we hope for what we do not see. And we hope for it in patience. Pain and hope, just like having babies. Pain and hope, pain and hope. Don't give up. We spend a lot of our lives, and the world wants you to spend 99.9. Once you spend 100% of your time worrying and thinking about and considering only this life, only the 80 years, and you're going to hear it shouted at you from every outlet that 
has no sense of God is that live for today alone. And I would tell you the Bible's word is live today fully, but only in light of what's coming. You will make better choices if you live today that you are an eternal being, that you have an incredible offer to be the heir of everything that God will bring you and do in you. And you will live today better because of the baby that's coming. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the the groanings that you give us are not groanings for no purpose and that we have to be in complete despair because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Lord, that's not the truth. It's not for the believer. It's not going to get worse and worse and worse. Your Bible gives a completely different story. Don't lose heart, your word says. For though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Yeah, the outward's falling apart. But the inward, Lord, if, if we look to you, if we get our strength from you, if we commit ourselves to you and your word is being renewed, and we'll remember that the groaning that causes this light momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Teach us not to look not to the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, knowing the things which are seen are going to fade away, but the things which are unseen are eternal. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll close in worship.